I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the warmth from the light at the end of the tunnel. President Trump releases his plan for opening up the country. But is it a good idea? And is this a solid plan? Let's talk about it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. We've got a lot to cover, and I'm not going to waste too much time talking, but uh, I I waited extra late to get all the information. It's all located at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com if you want to read the full transcript of the plan. Uh, most of this plan I've gotten from the Daily Wire and Fox News. So uh, a lot of these words are going, a lot of this stuff is going to be coming from them, though the plan itself is pretty much word from word from the president's uh, team. So the CDC and FEMA have created a plan to get the uh, country running again. This plan is going to be a phased plan, and <coughs> it is not open and open everything all at the same time plan. The president is supposed to make the announcement to, on Thursday, uh, and he has. He says that the plan is going to—he's uh, well, he, already made the plan, so I, obviously I wrote some of this. Uh, he says that the plan, the reopening of the economy, is supposed to start on May 1st, but it has already started. The Washington Post got a bit of a um, head start on this. They said on Wednesday, CDC and FEMA officials have worked on the public health response for at least the past week, and the resulting document has been discussed at the White House, including by the members of the Coronavirus Task Force. Now, that's important because there's been a lot of garbage about the opening of the Economy Task Force, the economy Economic Task Force being nothing but economists there are no doctors well there are doctors they're all in the coronavirus task force so they're not that garbage you're hearing is is literally just that garbage a quote the version obtained by the post appears to be an early draft by fema and contains granular instructions for a phased reopening of institutions such as schools child care facilities summer camps parks faith-based based organizations and restaurants now, according to them, the uh, the plan uh, the, the plan places communities into three ca- categories. This is important because you can't open, for example, New York and New York City and Boise, Idaho, are two totally different uh, communities, and they have completely different issues. Just like Los Angeles and New York are completely different communities. Is there anyone wondering why Los Angeles hasn't gotten hit with this COVID-19 virus like New York has? Well, yeah, everyone's on top of each other in New York. No one, you, Los Angeles has a lot of people, but it's a lot of land, so it's very spread out. So the three categories are low mitigation. This is defined as communities where significant spread was never observed and can reopen soon. This means... This does not mean the entire community can open, but parts of it can start opening. Moderate mitigation, former hotspots entering controlled recovery. Limited mitigation communities observing increased but can contain transmission. A couple of those cities could be something like Los Angeles, San Diego, or um, San Francisco. 
the coronavirus never really hit these cities too much in California. Um, other cities, maybe Las Vegas. May, well, Las Vegas might be a bit of a reach, but Phoenix would be another example. Um, New Mexico, El Paso, New Mexico, some parts of Texas. Significant mitigation, and that's defined as current or emerging hotspots, moderate mitigation communities showing signs of strained capacity. Now, I don't know. I, I think you'd consider New York. You'd consider New York that definitely. Uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey. These are these are uh, cities. These are states that are really having a lot of problems with the COVID nineteen. Even though their um, their infections and deaths has slid down, has leveled off. So um, pretty much what the uh, what the proposal said that this thing was going to be huge in um, last week. It was huge last week. I think today there were 32 deaths in New York, which is way down. Now, remember last week there were 780, almost 800. So you can tell things are beginning to level off a little bit. Decisions on reopening communities, which will be made by federal, state, and local levels. That's important. I do want to point that out because we're going to talk about that a little later. Are contingent on the following. Confidence that the incidence of infection is genuinely low. Okay, so it, it's, it is being pretty controlled. A surveillance system that is well-functioning and capable of promptly detecting any increase in incidence. Now, this is something where that's, that's a strange one because I'm not sure. We are, we are actually testing far more than we were. I think we're up to 5 million tests. But that's still not even, that's not even five, that's something like 1% of the uh, population. So that is not a great thing. I, I'd like to see quicker testing done. But okay. A public health system that is reacting robustly to all cases of COVID-19 and has surge capacity to react to an increase in the incidence. Um yeah, I think we're, we've been doing that for the last two months. Though the ventilators, and now we have ventilators coming out of our ears and no one needs them. So I think we're ready for that. A health system that is has the capacity in all respects, including inpatient beds, staffing, and other services to handle the cases. We'll have to see about that. And is in the position to rapidly scale up and deal with the surge in cases. We'll have to see. New York was able to handle it, and uh, the, that was because the federal government, the um, military, the uh, state governments, they were all able to work together to get this to work correctly. So that's a good thing. So the administration released uh, the regional uh, gating criteria. This information, this is what's going to be the long part about this is from the daily wire but you can add, you can read the entire brief I do have a copy of it um, linked to the website from Fox News so essentially what's going to happen is this is gonna this recovery is going to come in three phases uh, there will be 
they first define the actual symptoms of the flu. Uh, it's a downward trajectory of influenza-like illness, which means um, the illness is going to, it's the people catching COVID-19 within 14 days. They're going to sit there and analyze that and make sure that the the cases keep going down because it's not going to go all the way down. There's just, it's it, people are still going to get sick. But this whole thing is going to be data-driven. So if they notice that in certain areas or throughout the country, suddenly coronavirus is going straight up again, then they're going to sit back and they're going to uh, reevaluate. Uh, over, so they're going to study this over 14-day periods. And we should see, it's going to be interesting to see how they calculate this because we are doing far more testing than we've ever done before. Uh, downward trajectory of documented cases within a 14-day period or a downward trajectory of positive cases as a percent of total tests within a 14-day period, which means basically flattening out. Uh, you're getting the same amount or less new cases every 14 days. Hospitals, they treat all patients without crisis care and robust testing program in place for at-risk healthcare workers, including emergence, emerging antibody tests. Basically, what they're saying is they're going to they're gonna keep treating this like it's a problem. They're not just going to forget it, reopen, and send everyone out there on their own. So they're going to sit there and, and read it. Um, if patients come in, if they do have coronavirus, if these people aren't being stuck on ventilators, and we are testing a whole bunch of people we should actually get a much better look at, at what this virus is doing. And if people aren't being put on ventilators, there's no reason to worry as much as what we had when this thing first came out. The plan breaks out into three phases of opening up the country. And this is going to be the long part of the podcast. I'm sorry, I think this is important stuff. So phase one for states, for individuals, this is just for you, me, and everybody else. All vulnerable vulnerable. Uh, individuals should continue to shelter in place. So if you're older, if you have health risks, you still need to be, take precautions. Now, something that was talked about today, and it's too bad this came out today because there's a ton to talk about. But the reason they're bringing this up is there apparently is permanent damage that can be caused to by the uh, COVID-19. Uh, one of them, of course, is the lungs. It can it can severely damage lungs, especially people who have lungs that are impacted by other forces like smoking or vaping. It also can cause liver liver damage and kidney damage. So this thing is not exactly a this is not something you catch. If you get better, you're good to go. So you still could have problems with this thing. Uh, continuing, all individuals when in public parks, outdoor recs. Uh, shopping areas should maximize physical distance from others. Social settings of more than 10 people where appropriate distancing may not be practical should be avoided unless precautionary measures are observed. Um, I think they're going to ease those restrictions, but I think those restrictions are never going to change. I think we're all going to be doing that from now, a, a lot of time from now on, except for maybe um, family events, things like that. Uh, oops, let me do this, catch up. Avoid socializing in groups of 10 or more. 
okay, and uh, uh, and uh, recognize physical distancing. This is receptions, trade shows, things like that. Minimize non-essential travel and adhere to CDC guidelines regarding isolation following travel. Now, mind you here, minimize non-essential travel. They're not saying don't travel. So airports, everything will be open, but just don't minimize it. You don't need to do it. For employers, continue to encourage tele telework whenever possible and feasible for business operations. Basically, stay. I should stay at home like I'm doing, which is driving me crazy. If possible, that's a big thing. If possible, we're not limiting you. We're just saying, hey, here's a guideline. Return to work in phases. Close, and basically what they're saying is don't send everybody at work all at once. Send them essential personnel, like with IT. We do, we kind of do that. We have help desk that is there because they we need at least a couple of people there. Management can stay at home, though managers do show up every once in a while. Administrators do show up every once in a while, but only when need be. They don't show up all the time. Uh, common areas where personnel are likely to congregate and interact or enforce strict uh, close common areas where personnel are likely to congregate or interact or enforce strict social distancing like lunchrooms. We have a problem with lunchrooms. Everybody's on top of each other in our lunchroom. Probably going to want to keep that closed or at least uh, minimize the number of personnel that are in those lunchrooms. Minimize non-essential travel and adhere to CDC guidelines regarding isolation following travel. I really don't think anybody needs to be traveling right now. And I don't think, looking at the prices on the airlines, anybody is. Strongly consider special accommodations for personnel or members of a vulnerable population. Now, what they're basically saying is, if you have some pre-existing condition, they're not saying don't go to work. But they're saying, make sure that that individual is as safe as possible. If I'm in a, in a condition, I have an office, I'll go into my office, I'll clean my office, I'll clean my doorknobs, I'll close my door. Basic, I'll make sure everyone is well away from me, things like that. For specific types of employers, schools and organized youth activities, daycare, camp, AYSO, that are currently closed should remain closed. So right off the bat, schools are not going to open in phase one. I see that the kids are actually already doing the tele-education through Zoom and things like that. Um, visits to senior living facilities and hospitals should be prohibited. That's not going to change because we still have quite a bit in there. Uh, patient, uh, residents who do see patients should uh, follow hygiene masks, things like of that nature. And that's basically family. Um, for whatever reason, you've got family there. Maybe the old lady's dying. You want to be there. You can go in that case. Notice they're not telling you can't go. They're just saying, hey, it's not a good idea. Large venues, sit-down dining, movie theaters, sporting events, places of worship can operate under strict physical distancing. This is a big deal because you've heard a bunch of people were being arrested during Easter services last week. Absolutely asinine, but it was happening. 
basically, they want to make sure, hey, faith-based organizations, even sporting events, you can do it, but just don't sit on top of each other. I think that's a good thing, actually. Have you ever been to that, that sporting event? Hockey games and basketball games are notorious for this, where you're all on top of each other. The chairs are too small. Don't be too shocked. You know, you're, you're sitting, you can't move your elbows. Don't be too shocked if stadiums actually are rebuilt to allow for more room between uh, patrons. Elective surgeries can resume as clinically appropriate on an outpatient basis at facilities that adhere to CMS guidelines. So essentially, you want to get that boob job, go for it. But you better be able to go home after. They don't want to keep you in the hospital. And there's, there's two reasons for that. One, hospitals may need the room. You never know. This thing may not go away. In that case, we should probably keep the hospitals free for real patients. And two, because hospitals are like petri dishes for disease. So you don't want people sitting in the hospital if, if they can avoid it. So, hey, have an outpatient surgery, get your surgery, go the hell home and rest at home. Gyms can open if they adhere to strict physical distancing and sanitation protocols. I like that. I finally can go to the gym. It's, that's actually thrilling for me. I'm getting tired of doing it at my house. Bars should remain closed. You know what? Something I'm going to try and set up, not this week, but next week, is something called a virtual happy hour. Let's all get together. Let's all get drunk on Zoom and, and just, just talk. So I, I, th I think that's something that maybe we should take a look at. But bars, if you've ever been to a bar in New York, everybody's on top of each other. Everybody's on top of each other. And by the way, th that's all bars. Bars are typically very small, not a lot of room. There's a bar uh, right next to where I work that is absolutely huge. It's never overly crowded. It's a great bar. I could see that bar actually staying open. But for the most part, yeah, you, you know what? You still don't need to socialize like that. Let's give it another couple of weeks. Okay, let's go to part two. Phase two. For states and regions with no evidence of a rebound and that satisfy the gating criteria A for the second time. That means COVID-19 is going down. Now, mind you, COVID-19 is going to go down. There's no question it's going to go down, especially, in, well, there's no, there's always questions, but it's going to go down in the summer months. So they're just saying, okay, let's see if this thing goes down further um, and let's open up more of business. Okay, so phase two starts out pretty much the same way when it comes for vulnerable individuals. They should continue to shelter in place. Members of households with vulnerable residents should be aware uh, that returning to work and other environments and distancing is not practical. They should carry the virus back home. So basically keep, keep vulnerable individuals still hidden away. All individuals, when in public, that includes parks, rec areas, shopping areas, should maximize physical distance from others. Uh, social settings of more than 50 people should have the appropriate distancing um, and if they not, if they cannot, if it's impractical, impractical or unable to happen, such as a football game, okay, because we still don't have a lot of room in football, uh, it should be avoided. Uh, all individuals, when in public, 
or I'm sorry, non-essential travel can resume, no restrictions, good. For employers, uh, telework is still encouraged and when feasible. And I think we're still going to see a lot of telework. I think telework is going to be, especially in my world, and doctors too, because telemedicine, I think is a great is a great thing. So it still will work. the uh, The thing is, telework is going to become more important because when I go to work with the sniffles, I'm going to get sent home. A lot of people decide, hey, I want to go to work even though I've got the flu. That stuff's not going to happen. You sneeze more than three times, expect to be sent home, especially if you have the ability to work. Strongly consider special accommodations for personnel who are members of a vulnerable population. Yep, that's not going to change. Large venues, movie theaters, sit-down dining Sporting venues, places of worship can operate under moderate physical distancing prog- uh, protocols. That means we can all get together a little closer. This time, instead of sitting in the car and getting blessed by the priest from 30, 50 meters, now we might be able to go into a church. Just don't sit on top of each other or let the religious institution itself go in and, and you know say, hey, we're going to open up the back you guys can watch the, the service on television, something like that. Uh, elective surgeries can resume as clinically appropriate on an outpatient and inpatient basis at the facilities that adhere to CMS guidelines. So the facility needs to be able to handle it. And I said last time a boob job was an inpatient. I really don't know if a boob job is an outpatient thing. I think it might be inpatient. But uh, inpatient elective surgery would be like a knee surgery. You Okay, your knee hurts, you're missing cartridge, cartilage, excuse me, <laughs> cartridge, cartilage, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to have that surgery because it's going to it's going to sit you up for about 2 days. Well, now you can have open knee surgery, no problem. Uh gyms can remain open, but they still have to uh, uh adhere to physical distancing and uh, sanitation protocols. I've thought about this because they probably should have been doing that before. Gyms are no better than hospitals when it comes to germ petri dishes. And I know that a lot of gyms, my gym included, they have uh, these watered down bottles of Windex that you actually spray on everything. One of the things I'd like to see is, and it may give a couple of teenagers some jobs is actually hire people at minimum wage to go out there. And by the way, minimum wage should be 7 bucks an hour. Let, let's call it this. You don't need to pay somebody 15 to $20 an hour to spray uh, uh, something onto a work machine. But I would say go in there and have someone that that's all they do. They go from machine to machine, clean, 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 clean. And the, the liquid that they use shouldn't be a watered-down version of Windex. It should be an alcohol-based German virus killer. It should be something that is actually going to um, kill whatever that guy left behind on that on that bench. Now, I don't trust the lughead, so I'd rather have somebody go in and grab... I know 50% of the people never clean any of that stuff, and basically, I'm one of them. I, it's, I don't mean to. I just forget. When I go with my girlfriend, um, she will tell me, oh, don't forget to clean your stuff. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And I'll go get it and I'll clean it. But I know what I'm cleaning, it's half-assed. I, it's not a great way to do it. 
Bars may operate with diminished standing room occupancy where applicable. So essentially what's going to happen is a bar is going to, the occupancy of a bar is going to be determined by their square footage and the amount of people that can fit within a six foot radius of each individual. So instead of tables being on top of each other at a bar, the bar, the tables will be split up. Standing room, there'll have to be enough standing room that you can actually talk to someone without being right on top of them. And we can't consider fire regulations part of that because the fire regulations, if you've walked into a lot of these bars, they say 250 people and this bar literally is, you know, 50 by 50 feet. It's really small. So you can't really use the fire regulations. I think COVID is going to make the regulations in restaurants and this shouldn't be regulations in the restaurants. The restaurants should want to do this. Okay, the bar, I'm sorry, the bar should want to do this. It's going to be up to the bar to control the people that walk in, how many people actually walk in. So that is phase two. Now let's go. Everything's been going good. The virus is going down. Uh, people are, I'm, four people got affected in the last two weeks. What do we do for phase three? This is when stuff starts getting real. Phase three, for individuals, I'm sorry, I forgot my glasses here. For individual, vulnerable individuals, they can resume public interactions, but should take practice of physical distancing, minimizing exposure to social settings where distancing may not be practical unless precautionary measures are observed. In other words, wear a damn mask. If you're not sure, Wear a mask. If you're going to the family reunion with 200 people over there in a room that fits 50, make sure people who are talking to you are wearing masks. Stay away from people. And by the way, that's going to be, I hate this term, but I'm going to use it anyway. That's going to be the new norm for people. Just stay away from people. You could get something. Low risk population should consider minimizing time spent in crowded environments. Why did they put this in here? Well, the reason is we still need social distancing. At this time, this is when the virus is, it, it's kind of like when the first, when the Columbia, or uh, the first space shuttle crashed, the Challenger, nobody saw it. The reason is because everyone was so used to the space shuttle going up, no one even considered that the space shuttle would ever blow up. Same thing with this virus. After a month, month and a half, where the virus keeps going away, going away, going away, that's then we get comfortable, and then suddenly there it is. Hit you like a bat out of hell. So you, we still need to be aware that it's still out there, and we should still practice social distancing. Maybe we don't all wear a mask. Maybe we do. Maybe the new normal in places like New York are going to be a wear a mask, or downtown L.A. where you have a high homeless population. Maybe we should start wearing masks. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, for specific types of employers or for employers, resume unrestricted staffing of work sites. Yay. Everyone goes back to work. For specific types of employers, visits to senior care facilities and hospitals can resume. Those who interact with residents and patients must be diligent regarding hygiene. And I'll give you a step further. Don't be shocked if they require you to wear masks. I think that's still something that's going to 
it's going to be there, though it's not recommended in this report. Large venues, sit-down dining, movie theaters, sporting venues, places of worship can operate under limited physical distancing protocols. So again, you're still going to have to be careful when you go to go to that baseball game, or you should be careful when you go to that baseball game. I was listening to Sean Hannity tonight, which tonight I'm recording this on Thursday, and he said he made something really, he said something really interesting. He said, you know something? I'll go to a baseball game. I'll go to a football game. I'll wear a mask. I'll wear gloves. And one of the things the sporting events can do, hey, how about if they give away masks with the insignia of their, um, insignia of their uh, team on it, logo on the team. So if I went to Los Angeles and get myself a Los Angeles Dodger M95 mask, that'd be kind of cool. I just a thought. I think it. I think it's a great idea. Um, gyms can remain open if they adhere to standard sanitation protocols. Again, I think the gyms themselves are going to open their sanitation protocols. I, I think they are going to take care of sanitation. Bars may operate with increased standing room occupancy where applicable. I don't know about this. How this is going to work? Because I got a feeling even bars. They may not. They may still limit who can get in there, but we. I don't know how that's going to work. The plan says that vulnerable individuals include the elderly, and those who have serious underlying health conditions, including high blood pressure, chronic lung disease, diabetes, obesity, asthma, and those whose immune system is compromised, such as by chemotherapy, therapy for cancer, and other conditions requiring such therapies, such as HIV, AIDS, things like that. So, okay, we've gone through all the guidelines. So what do I think about this whole thing? Is this going to be a success? Uh, yeah, but that's because I wanted them to open the, the government. I, I, I think there are a couple of things that we need to look at. I think there are a couple of things that this does well. Uh, actually, I think there's a lot of things that this does well. Um, it is a phased approach. We're not just going to open everything all at once. And that would be an absolute disaster because obviously some spots are far hot, hotter than other spots. And some spots are going to open a lot faster than other spots. I don't think New York is going to open completely by mid-May or is going to even open by mid-May. I think they're going to be closed till June, maybe even July. And that's that's a good and bad thing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It rates of it rates areas in, of infection. More information would have been better in order to be more accurate about the classification system of communities, but at least it's something. What I'm basically saying here is our numbers are not great here. I still don't think we have great numbers. I don't think our death rate is what our death rate is. I think a lot more people are infected with coronavirus than we think. I think probably fewer people may have died from coronavirus. I also am not exactly convinced that coronavirus started in the United States in January. I think it started probably last year, probably November, even October. But we're not going to know any of that until we get a blood serum test where the antibodies are out there. Uh, it looks to classify communities, not just states and cities. That's important. That's important. 
we need to open pockets of areas that we know are in good shape. We're not, the federal government is not doing this on its own. The federal government is depending, depending on governors, mayors, and community leaders to determine, okay, how are, how is our community? For example, um, Harmony, California probably can open up right away with a population of 16. Whereas Los Angeles, maybe pockets of LA can open up, but not all of Los Angeles. This is what I think is really important. And by the way, Trump is following, he is following what the Federalists believed in. The smaller the governments, the more control, the better understanding they have of their communities. So a community supervisor would understand the community better than the mayor. The mayor would understand the city better than the governor. The governor would understand the state more than the president. And that's absolutely true. And that's what President Trump is is doing. There was this big, stupid controversy that President Trump was going to single-handedly make a decision to open up the country and President Trump didn't help himself by saying, well, yeah, it's my decision. And he's not completely wrong. I mean, these guys want federal help. And then when the federal government says, let's do this, they don't want to listen to the federal government. But he is wrong constitutionally because states are, well, sort of constitutionally because there's interstate trap, interstate uh, commerce and things like that. But <clears throat> but I mean, let the governors make the decisions because the governors are going to talk to the mayors and the mayors are going to talk to the supervisors. This is how this has got to work. There was no need for that controversy. And that wasn't a controversy Trump beat up. That was a controversy that Gavin Newsom or even Cuomo didn't make that big of a deal. That was a controversy the press made up. The plan has been set up to be scalable. It's not going to be all at once. It's and it's also defined in macro phases, not micro phases. What do I mean by macro phases? There are only three phases, and there are some recommendations within each macro phase. Well, it's very possible that we need to have a couple of phases within that macro phase because some communities are not cooperating, and those communities would be like Los Angeles, maybe um, Los Angeles, maybe. Uh, New York. So there are certain areas that are hot spots. There are certain areas we may discover that this hits different classes of people. We may discover things as the numbers come in and as we start testing. We also may learn that herd immunity may be a thing with this. Now you've heard me talk about herd immunity. Herd immunity means you get it and then you develop antibodies and those antibodies prevent you from getting it again, or at least preventing you from getting a, a, a toxic version of the virus. And as people begin to spread the virus, they spread a lesser form of the virus, a, a less uh, vicious form of the virus. And then we're good to go. I mean, people end up becoming immune. They're trying this in countries like Sweden. They tried this in Denmark. It didn't really work great in Denmark, but they tried this in certain countries. Now, mind you, you can't com 
you can't compare Sweden, which is about 6 million people, to the United States, which is 350 million people. But that's the idea. The plan's been set up to be scalable. Basically, if we need to make changes, we just add another phase or two, and we can do that. So it is scalable. That's a good thing. The CDC, FEMA, the Coronavirus Task Force, the the President's Economic Task Force, and all of the state's governors were involved. This was nonpartisan. This is not President Trump saying, let's do this now. And he he's letting the professionals and he's letting everyone know what's going on. This is truly a bipartisan deal. I can't stand Gavin Newsom. I cannot stand Andrew Cuomo. I think they're terrible governors. I think they're terrible human beings. But. The reality is they are working with the president. Remember, I told you this. and I hate Gavin Newsom, but Gavin Newsom received a bunch of uh, um, ventilators that weren't working. Basically, the batteries weren't charged. And instead of bitching and moaning in front of the press that these ventilators weren't working, guess what he did? He fixed them, whether it was charging them or getting the extra part or doing whatever. That is working with the system. That is working with the president. That's not blaming the president for something. And a lot of the media continues to blame the president. For example, you didn't hear from Gavin Newsom that the the ventilators weren't working or weren't charged or whatever it was. It was the media that said, oh, what's this about releasing ventilators that don't work? Then the president had to explain, well, this is why they didn't work. It's just they weren't charged. Okay, charge them. What can I tell you? You got them. Finally, it is a plan. This country is falling apart the way things are set up right now. Domestic violence is going up. Alcoholism is going up. Um, Drug use is going up. People are fighting. They don't want to be locked up. We're Americans. We're not used to this. In China, they're used to this. If the government tells you to do something, you do it because they'll shoot you You don't. We don't do this in the United States. So this has to happen. Now, here's the good. There are there are some bad things. This is not necessarily a bad thing with the plan. The plan looks pretty solid, but there are some things we need to look at and we need to be aware of because I know what's good. I know this stuff's going to happen. And I think we need to be careful before we start pointing fingers because I know people are going to point fingers. I ha- I haven't even heard all of the comments about this thing today because it was just released today. So I'm sure Grabian's going to come out with a great freaking montage. But this whole thing depends on one thing. It depends on the models and the numbers being plugged into the statistics. So it depends that the models and numbers are correct none of which looks good for the understanding of what this virus is all about. Remember that the death toll would have been between 100 and 240,000. That's how it started. That was based off the main model that we were using, which was came from uh, Washington University. Well, guess what? Now that model's been proven to be completely full of garbage. It's now at 60. Now we're looking at maybe 60,000 dying. And now a group from Stanford, from Harvard, and from, uh, uh, I think it's New Zealand. It's either New Zealand or Australia are also 
looking at these models and are saying, no, these models are way off. So the model that we're using to open up this government may be a piss poor model. That's kind of an issue. Viruses like these have a tendency to be seasonal. Okay. So we could be looking at, yeah, it's flattening out, it's flattening out, but it's also getting warmer. And viruses t tend not to do well with warm. And then they come back when it starts to cool. That's why we have to get our flu shots in October, November, because that's when the flu comes back, which the flu is just another virus. Could this thing come up, come back in the fall and start all over? Yes, it's very possible. And the question is, are we going to have to do this again or do we accept the concept of herd immunity? Is our testing going to be good enough by then so that we can sit back and see who's had the virus, who has the antibodies? When are we going to come up? We're looking at a year to 18 months before an actual um, cure or a vaccine is re released. Is Could we be seeing that sooner? I, I don't know. What about a second wave? So far, you could sit there and say, oh, well, everything's flattened out because we're all hiding. But what's going to happen when we all go out there again? Maybe this virus doesn't give a damn when it's when it's out. Maybe it's just flattening out because we're not talking to each other. What happens if we all get together? You know, we start having parties and the whole thing. And is this thing, could this thing come back? Well, yeah, it's possible. Very possible. <coughs> so there are the point is there are questions we just we just really don't know a lot about this virus we know a lot more than we did but we still don't know a heck of a lot about this virus so some of the other things let's let's go let's go and and talk about this is going to be a bad thing no matter what president trump is going to be a jerk off no matter what he does with this whole thing He's going to be killing people, no matter what happens. Uh, the Democrats, and you can see this with the way that the Democrats are refusing to release funding for small businesses. They, they actually, uh, small business actually finished funding today, this morning, right? And now... Um, the Democrats, oh yeah, uh, Nancy Pelosi, who by the way is sitting in her compound in Napa Valley, north of San Francisco. So she's not even in Washington, D.C. This is an emergency and she's just hiding out at her Washington, her uh, Napa Valley uh, castle. Must be nice. She actually did a video and I'm sure that's going to be out. I'll show it to you later. Maybe we'll go over some just stupid videos. But she's actually showing them all her um, classic ice creams, you know, like kale flavored and cilantro flavored ice cream in front of her, you know, $50,000 freezer. I, it's just, it's disgusting. It, the, the elitism that these people actually have. The reality is the Democrats want to shut down this economy till November. They want this economy to go into a depression. And by the way, that's not the first time you've heard that. Hey, remember Bill Maher? Thank God, maybe we'll get a recession and Trump will be out. I mean, really? These elitists don't realize that the little people, the, the ones that they keep saying they're going to protect, protect from Trump, are the ones they want to hurt. It's absolutely terrible. 
And here's another thing that you can easily predict. If one person catches this virus in the middle of this opening plan, Donald Trump will have, quote, blood on his hands, end quote. And then there are some Democrats who just refuse to cooperate. Andrew Cuomo had a meeting with a bunch of Democrats from the Northeast states, Northeastern states, and they all basically said, well, let's, let's not start this on May 1st. Let's start this on May 15th. Okay, uh, if I were Trump and someone asked me that question, I'd say, yeah, well, you know, it's, they're the governors. That's not my call. I'm telling you what we should do if they don't feel comfortable with it. Because Trump's also got to understand that if one person dies, the media will always blame Trump, but the city will blame Cuomo. The state will blame Cuomo. Then Cuomo will lose the election. So I kind of understand why these guys want to do it. But again, it's it, he's always going to get pushback. Trump is always going to get pushback. Trump could literally piss the vaccine into a tube, inject it, and boom, it's could work. But they'll still blame him for everything. So, but the opening of this economy has to be done. It has to be done soon. We have been stuck. I have been stuck. This is my 29th day now stuck. I'm going absolutely crazy. I talked to my boss today. I told him, listen, I'm, I'm in a real hard time focusing and staying engaged. I just, you know. Yeah, okay, why don't you go to work? And now I've got a situation. I can't go back to work. So it's 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 interesting. Well, that was a that was a long one and I had two more stories I really want to cover. I'm probably going to have to do an extra pot podcast. Uh, I can't do it tomorrow because tomorrow's my YouTube video, but maybe I can do it tomorrow. I don't know. Uh publish it on Saturday. Yeah, we'll see. But these are pretty good stories. I really didn't want to skip. But um, this information, really important information, really important to go through and talk about because we're going to be hearing a lot about it. Uh, again, um, the resources were the dailywire.com, and, uh, which you should subscribe. Love it. If you like Ben Shapiro, he's a great one to subscribe to. And the other one is Fox News. That's where you can actually get the transcript and read it. Uh, now I'm going to continue on doing what we've been, what I've been doing all week. Let's listen to some more Bocelli. I already told you one of the songs I really liked was his version of Ave Maria. And considering, you know, we're, we're finishing the week after Easter and we all didn't have really a great Easter. I decide, hey, let's put this on. It's only four minutes. Ave Maria just makes me well up every time. And I know you've heard it if you've ever been to a Catholic uh, wedding. That's all they play is they play Ave Maria when um, the bride goes up to put the roses to the, at the feet of the uh, Mary statue in the church. So let's listen to Bocelli. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Run and Fool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. Yeah, I know that was smooth, wasn't it? Uh, you can listen or download this podcast at on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Cast Addicts, and YouTube. Uh, you can down. You can look at video, any video. I don't have any video for this one. Don't have any graphics for this one, but I do have a ton of links and a ton of show notes at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Here's Andrea Bocelli and Ave Maria.
Oh! 